Hey, well, welcome to New Life Church. Glad to have you guys with us. If you would, go ahead and find a seat. That'll be great. I want to take this moment just to say a quick hello to everyone worshiping with us at our North Platte campus, as well as those that are worshiping with us at our Kearney campus in either our West venue, which we're in right here, or our East venue, uh, right down the hall meeting in our gym. So I just want to say welcome to everybody. And I just need to ask this one critical question. We're in our, our current teaching series entitled, I love my church, right? And so I just want to hear from you. If you love your church, can you just like shout it out and just clap really loud, really quick, ready? One, two, three, you love your church? Come on. Yeah. Man, I love this place. I, I love the people of New Life. Uh, we've just got a fantastic church. One church, multiple locations, and God just, he seems like he's adding people to our church on a regular basis. It's exciting to be around here. So welcome to all of you that are here today. Um, I've had the opportunity in my life, and I know that not everybody would enjoy this opportunity, and some people wish they had more of these types of opportunities, but I've literally had the opportunity to be all over this planet and to be in multiple different countries, both in my military days and in my ministry days. And one thing has stood out to me at almost every country I've ever been to is that we here in America are blessed in so many incredible ways. In fact, in many of the countries I've been in, you could be in the poverty class of, of uh, you know, the economics of America and or middle or upper for sure, but you could be in the poverty class of America and be in the rich class of the world. There's just something about what God has blessed us with. We have so many things to be thankful for. We've, we've been given so much and we're able to do so much. No matter where you're at in the spectrum of the economy here in our country, there's still so much that we have the ability to do. And it brings, uh, it brings many of us a lot of great joy with what we're able to be a part of. But where much is been given, then much is required. At least that's the way that Jesus said it in Luke chapter 12. He said that when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Now, when Jesus was mentioning this passage, he was talking about our lives when, when, he, when we're looking at like our skills and our gifts and our resources and our ability, but he was also referring to our finances. And today, that's what we're going to be looking at. And today in this teaching series, I Love My Church, it's going to be, I love my church through giving, giving. Now, if this is your first time at New Life, I, I can almost bet what's going through your mind right now. Oh, Great. See, this is our first Sunday here, and you're leaning over, and you might be talking to the person next to you, and you're thinking to yourself, every time I go to church, all they talk about is money. And I just want you to know that there's a lot of scripture that deals with money, and Jesus even said, you know, that you can't serve two masters, you'll love one or you'll hate the other, and he was talking about the love of money. Um, but here's, the, here's the, uh, the radical truth behind why we're talking about love your church through giving, and that's because we planned it back in November of last year. We think that things that are important should be planned. So we planned this day to come, and we've synced this day up with a couple of incredible giving campaigns. So no, we don't talk about money every single day. But I will say this, money drives a lot of what we do, so we better know a biblical perspective on it. And today, that's what I hope to bring you, is that. Now, if you're a new attendee here, which, wow, we've got a lot of brand new people here. Last week, Pastor Dave was preaching. He's our campus pastor in North Platte. I thought he did a terrific job. What about you guys? You guys think he did good? 
Good job, Dave. Good job. It allowed me here at our Carney campuses to walk around and greet people uh, a little bit more extensively than what I typically get the opportunity to do. Um, and I just want to let you guys know, I, I met people that, I, I just went after people I've never seen before. Uh, I, I just didn't know their names. And so I met people that had only been here one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I didn't talk to a single new person that had been here longer than four weeks. Uh, we've just got a, we've just been inundated lately with a bunch of new people that are just coming through our doors. So if you're one of those new people and new life is quickly becoming your home church, one of the things I want to boldly say to you is this, you didn't come here just to receive. God's also sent you here to be a part of the life giving mission of this church and to participate in it. And one of the ways you can participate in the life giving mission of new life church is through giving. So today Without an apology, without without an excuse, we're talking about giving. We're talking about finances. And so I know that that's a touchy subject. I know that it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's awkward to get personal with. It's awkward to talk about. But it drives so many things that we do. So today, from a biblical perspective, we're going to look at it, we're going to conquer it, we're going to tackle it, and we're going to walk out better for it. Um, But to get it started, I thought, man, since money is such a heavy topic... How, how about we start out with just a little bit of humor? So I went, I went to my friends, the Minions, and I thought, they'll have a lot of advice for me on what money is. And so here's, here's some of their advice. I thought you guys might like this, right? The only exercise I've done this month is running out of money. Anybody feel like they're that? Anybody feel like they're in that category at all? I know sometimes it can be that way. Uh, let's, let's figure out another one of these things. It says, I love finding money in my clothes. It's like a gift to me from me. Uh, you guys ever found like five bucks in your pocket, 20 bucks in your pocket? Yeah. How about the ones that have gone through the wash machine? Not so, not so fun. Not so fun. Uh, let's go to another one. <clears throat> if money doesn't grow on trees, then why do banks have branches? That's a good question. I'm just saying that that's a very good question, isn't it? Isn't it? All right. Well, Hey, one last one and we'll get to the serious stuff. They say money talks. Mine just waves goodbye. I, I feel that pain, right? I can feel that pain. Money, money has waved goodbye at different times of my life in, uh, in different ways. But it seems like money, it either, it either causes us to laugh, but money, money problems can cause us to cry as well. And that's because money tends to be a part of or drive almost everything we do in this world. Almost everything we do. My wife and I were just away in Denver celebrating uh, 30 years of marriage. Yeah? <clears throat> right? Thank you. Thank you. You should, you know, pray for my wife. It's, uh, it's a lot to put up with me for 30 years. But we've had, a, we've had a blast at it. We were also celebrating her birthday. And I will not, right? I will not tell you what her age is. And that's because I've been married for 30 years. And I want to be married for another 30. But... When you're, when you're in like a city like Denver and you just parked your car and you're riding the, the, the rail system and you're hopping on a bus to go from here to there, because we kind of like big city life and we, li- we like to do that. We used to live in a big city, you know, downtown and just kind of get around that way. And so um, it, it takes money to get everywhere, money to get on the, the train, money to get on the bus, money to get off, money to go to Starbucks three times every day, you know. Money to run into every Rosses that exists on the planet. If any of you guys know about that store. Right. I've seen enough Ross for my, for my life this year at least. But it just takes money. You gotta have money. So money is a part of everything we do. 
That means money, money seems to be important. And if money is important in what we do, then listen to this. How much do you think God might be using money to shape your spiritual character? If money is, in, if money is so important in everything we do, don't you think that God would be trying to use money to shape your spiritual character? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, <clears throat> God's been using money since day one in the history of his church. He's been using money to shape the character, the spiritual character of his people, the church. And I just want to take you to a passage of scripture that we're going to be using today as our key passage. It's, in, it's found in Acts chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read this, and then we're going to break it down. And I just want to help you understand how God's been using money since day one, and how God wants to use it even today to shape your character. It says this, that all the believers, this is like almost day one of the early church, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they, owe, what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles, they testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, Um, And God's great blessing was upon them. How many of them? All of them. Right. There were no needy people among them because those who were, those who owned land or houses, they would sell them and they would bring the money to the apostles to give to those who were in need. Now this is a picture of how the early church functioned. And there's a lot of things in this passage that people have completely misinterpreted. So I definitely want to bring a clear biblical interpretation of what this passage really means. But what I'm really shooting for today in the midst of all of that is to help us all understand that we've been given a lot. And with what we've been given, how do we use that in a way that honors God and that grows his mission through the local church? How does that happen? And first off, we want to look at this this concept. You got to release your grip. You got to release your grip on finances. So it's one thing to be smart with, with money, right? It's one thing not to have this grip that's so tight on it. It's one thing to be smart and use it in different types of ways. And that can bring a lot of wisdom. It's another thing to have a death grip on your finances, right? Because a death grip over time, what it really means is that money's controlling you. You're not controlling it. You think you've got it because you've got your hands wrapped around it so tight that you've got complete control of it. But really, when you grab onto something that tight, it really means it has control of you. You're just hanging on for dear life, trying to make it through. Well, that was definitely not the picture of the early church. In fact, the early church leaders taught, taught us to hold money almost kind of as if you were holding it in the palm of your hands, like you you made a cup out of your hands, like you were going to get water, and to hold finances like this. Not like this. Yes, protected at times, right? There are moments when it needs to be protected, but not a death grip. That's what the early church leaders taught us. So if we go back to our key passage, here's what we find in verse 32. That all the believers, they were united in heart and in mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. This attitude of what they owned was not their own. That's this, like, it's, it's here, right? It's not like, it's not like this. And they, they used what God blessed them with to bless others. Have you ever had the privilege of, you know, having something that might be unique? It might just be normal to you. But yet, sharing what you have so that others could enjoy life better or sharing what you have to help others get through in life easier? Have you ever had the experience of sharing something that you have to bless other people? 
Because if you've ever had that experience, then you will know how much joy it really brings. It brings a lot of joy. I know that my garage is no, it's just, it's no fantastic garage, but it's got air tools in it and a welder in it and, you know, a number of other things that are in my manly garage. Right, men? Come on. That was somewhat manly. Um, almost cut the mustard. Almost. Um, whatever cut the mustard means. I have no idea what that means either. Um, but when, when people come over, when friends come over and they, they get to use those tools and things, and I get out there and just work on their, help them work on something together. I mean, it's just a blast. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's just like you're sharing something that God's blessed you with to bless them. And the concept, it's better, it's really, truly better to give than to receive. I think so many of us have probably found that to be true. And one of the things about new life, the culture of new life, is that there are a number of people in new life that, from an American perspective, would be considered on the wealthy end of life. Um, and one of the things I've loved about watching those folks that are in our church that have been blessed in so many incredible ways is that almost all of them that I've ever ran into and met personally and hung out with, they're givers. They share what they've been given. They either open their home up for some special event or they, you know, they... They give a toy, uh, you know, a manly toy. They give a manly toy and go, hey, go use this or go enjoy that or yeah, please use this or use that. I mean, they just love to like give and see others enjoy what God has given them. And I love that. So thank you so much for being that kind of a congregation. And then for us, like the average guy, me and so many of you, one of the things about the culture of new life is that over our history, Man, over our history, the average person in the American economy here at even the New Life Church have been so easy to open up their hands and say, what I have is not mine. It belongs to God. And we've used it in so many different ways over the course of the history of this church. The room you're in. The room you're in, it was, it was built. It was built like back in like the late 70s, early 80s. And you guess, check this out. The group of people that built this original auditorium they made pledges to give six times their annual income. Just think about that for a moment. They made pledges over a three to five year period of time to give six times their income. Guys, I'm just telling you, that's, that's a miracle. But that's the culture of the church you're sitting in right now. We're, we're only as good as those that have gone before us and we're building on their shoulders. So one of the things you need to know is this is who we are. We're a group of people that are trying to live our lives, releasing our grip on money so it doesn't control us, but that we hold it like this so that God can use it to grow his kingdom and he can advance his purpose. Because if you hold money with a death grip, over time you lose circulation. And when you lose circulation, you lose feeling. You guys ever had one of those moments when you sat too long with like your legs crossed? And then your, your foot fell asleep and it was time to get up and go, but you couldn't walk, you know, because you couldn't have, you didn't have any feeling in your foot. Nobody? Only me? Okay. That's embarrassing. You ever wake up, right? You ever wake up and your arms twisted in some kind of awkward way and you can't feel your hand anymore? And it just kind of like flops around like this, you know, and you have no control over it. And then the blood starts coming back to it. And then it's got all that tingly needle feeling and you're like, ah, don't touch it. Is it, it's still not, it's not just me, right? Okay. Anybody wake up with a puddle of drool on their pillow? No, I'm just joking. Let's just see how far can we go, just me. All right. 
I see, I see. Thank you for your love. I'm feeling it, people. (laughs) Feeling it. Of course you have. And when you lose feeling in it, man, you can do a lot of damage to a body part you can't feel. And when you've got a death grip on your finances and you're holding it so tight that you lose circulation and you lose feeling, then you're going to begin to judge your finances incorrectly because you don't have the right feeling. You're not getting the true sense of the Holy Spirit leading you. And you're going to begin to make unwise decisions with it as well. That's why it's so important to have a loose grip on it. Otherwise, you just, made bad, you just make bad decisions. You know the way they used to trap monkeys? They would build a cage, heavy. They'd put bananas in it, they'd close it, and then there'd be a hole in it just big enough for a monkey to stick his hand through. Monkey sticks his hand through, grabs the banana, can't pull it back out. So they trap, they trap the monkey, and they put a, put a monkey in a zoo or use it for testing or whatever it is they do. And that same principle is what's happening in America today with our finances. We've got a death grip on our finances, and we won't let go, so we can't get our hand back out of the box. We're trapping ourselves in debt. We're trapping ourselves in foolish spending. We're trapping ourselves, and we're, we're taking our finances, and we're wrapping it up in foolishness. And we can see the people that are trapping us. They're, they're all around us, but we won't let go and start trusting God with it. And so, therefore, we go deeper and deeper into debt. One of the things I want you to practice, and uh, maybe even practice it at the end of our worship experience, is to take your debit card from your checking account, your savings account, take your credit card, whatever it is you want to do, and just do something simple. Put it in cupped hands and take a moment to pray. God, would you use the finances that you've given me to advance your kingdom? Would you, God, remove from me selfishness and worry The things that are controlling this. God, would you give me a generous heart? Lord, would you help me to see ways that I can use what you've given me to bless others? And then God, would you open my eyes up so that when you give me opportunities to bless others, may I walk through it with great faith, but with great joy. And may I give away what you've given to me. May I do it generously. So I hold it in my hands. You should also pray, God, what I hold in my hands, may I never worship this. May I always worship you. And that debit card sitting in your hands, God, may this never become more important than you are to me. God, may I be wise with what you've given me. May I use what you've given me to advance your purpose and your kingdom first. Because guys, I'm telling you, you put God in his kingdom first, and he has a very unique and powerful way of blessing you. So, hold... Release your grip. But here's the the second thing. If you want to use your finances in a way that blesses God, then you also have to tighten your belt down. Now that phrase, tighten your belt, that's an old phrase that just gets talked about when we're dealing with spending, right? That we need to tighten the belt on spending, dial back some of our spending. So today, here's the good news. I'm not here to tell you what to spend your money on. That's between you and it's between God. You spend your money on whatever you sense God's going, you got the green light on. Um, but the point of, of, of this issue is, is this, that if you don't control your spending, then your money is going to control you. And if your money controls you, then you're never going to be in a position where you can ever give to advance God's kingdom through the local church or anywhere else. And that's not where I want to see you live, and that's not where God wants to see you live. So I want you to look at how the first group of Christians, how they loved their church through their giving. Take a look. We go back to our passage in verse 34 and 35. 
says there were no needy people among them because those who owned land and houses, they would sell them and they would bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now, listen, as we just break this down for a moment, one of the things that you need to know right off the bat is that it wasn't a requirement of the, of the early church to sell everything you had. People didn't come and say, I want to follow Jesus. Well, then what do you have? I got, I got a house, I got a lake house, I've got an RV, you know, I own a, a whole series of pack meals. You got to sell it all then, sell it all. That's not the way it went down. People didn't sell everything they have, and the early church wasn't a group of people all living in a big commune either. You know, where all of the money went to the apostles, and it, somehow the apostles were the managers, and they said, oh, you need $20 for groceries? Here you go. Oh, you need to get your mule fixed? All right, here you go. Um, I don't know, they didn't have cars back then. Where they, they still got to shoot those things or whatever they did. So, I mean, yeah, they, the, the, the apostles, they weren't the managers. They weren't like, you know, dishing out money as if it was some kind of like, you know, social service thing. That's not the way it was working back then. In fact, what was, go, what was working is this. There would be a significant need in the body. There'd be a need. The spiritual leaders would communicate the need to the body. Some people who had homes, who had land, who had an abundance, and who had positioned themselves correctly would say, I want to be a part of meeting that need. And so they would go sell a mule, or they would sell a piece of land, or they would sell a house, or they would sell whatever it is, and they would bring it back to the local church, and they would say, here, use this to meet those needs. Now, how in the world were they able to do that? And there's only one way that people in the early church were able, able to do that. And that's because they learned what it, what it meant to live within their means. To live within your means is going to require a few things. You've you got to have a margin you know, between debt and income. And that margin, that ratio, they purposely kept it low. They didn't do what a lot of Americans do today, where we just have a high debt ratio to our income. They kept their debt ratio low. How in the world can you give something significant like a house or land or anything smaller if you're just completely overwhelmed with debt? So they, they lived within their margins when it came to debt to income ratio. I guarantee another thing, living within their means, they, their, their spending to income ratio was managed properly as well. They, they weren't spending more than they were making. That they were living within those means. In fact, it wasn't even a, hey, we have $100, let's spend $100. It was like, hey, we have $100, and then they broke that down. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. Very practical stuff here today about tightening your belt down. Right? But they also maintained a lifestyle that allowed them to be givers and be a part of what God was doing. See, that's one of the problems. One of the problems with finances is that we've got ourselves so upside down with spending and debt that when a significant need comes along, our heart gets stirred for a second and we go, wow, I would love to help meet that need. But we can't because of all this other stuff that's going on. See, when you tighten your belt down financially, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself to now hear God's voice and be a part of giving in a way that's bigger than you. But the only way you can do that in 2017 is if you live by a budget. Now, budget, budget 101, because there's budgeting courses that would last for weeks. Just budgeting 101 for you guys. Let's just say your income monthly was $4,000, okay? You just made $1,000 a week. What, let me just ask you the question. You don't have to shout it out. What's the very first? That's the income. Now, underneath this line, we're going to write expenses down. 
What's the very first expense if you were creating your budget that you would write down? I, actually, I, you didn't have to yell it out. You guys yell that out, but you throw me under the bus when I talk about a, a foot that is like going to sleep. No, not us. <laughs> guys, guys. So I heard some people write down tithe. You know what? But here's what a lot of people would say. A house. Got to write a house down because we got to have a place for our family to live. Some of you would say, I got to write a car down. That's got to be number one because if I can't get where I need to go, then this isn't going to come in right here. That's for sure. Others of you would write down other things. Let me just say, budgeting 101 is this. Honor God first. And a tithe literally means 10%. Okay? So 10% on 4,000, it's quick math, right? Drop a zero. It's $400. So if this was my personal budget, first thing I'd want to do is I would want to honor God. That's the first thing I would even want to write down. Just put God first. But what's the second thing you'd write down? And see, that's where you're going to go, oh, now it's the house, right? It's the car now. It's this. It's that. Whatever it is. I'm just going to suggest to you in basic budgeting 101, that you, would, that you would consider this. What do I want to save? After that, other expenses can come. And you know, and somewhere down here in your expenses, like in the, in the budget that Kim and I create every year, you're going to find another item that's going to say giving. It's above and beyond the tithe. It's the giving that we have the joy of being a part of so many different things, whether it's, you know, giving to the pave the way, campaign, um, or it is giving to Compassion International, or it's giving to missions, or it is so many different ways, giving to our resilient book that's being mailed out all over the place. I mean, we get to give, and it's so much fun to be a part of that, but basic budgeting 101 starts with honoring God, and then secondarily, putting money away for savings, because you're going to need an emergency account. Things are going to happen, like in the past 30 days, I've had a number of things go down on me. Had a heat pump, gave up the ghost, right? Into the, into the landfill, that thing goes. That's not cheap. Had a refrigerator break, had to get a new one. Had a, had a wash machine break, had to get a new one. That, that's just like in the last 30 days. So I'm so, I'm not disappointed. I'm not like, God, you're against me. I can't believe everything's breaking. No, they're made by man. They break. You know what I'm saying? I am thankful that God put in my heart, honor me first, Jeff, and prepare for the future. So that, guess what's not going to suffer? All the other things that I've dedicated my life to giving to and being a part of because I felt God put it in my life, because I, I honored God first, and then I prepared for a future, nothing will suffer. We just keep going just the way we are. I, pr- I praise God for that. Church, I want to see you guys be in that kind of situation. It's not about how much money you make. It's about managing what God has blessed you with. But to do that, you're going to have to practice a principle. Here's what it is. Two letters, powerful word. It's called no. You're going to have to tell yourself no on some things. I remember the very first motorcycle I ever wanted to buy. I mean, I saw this thing. It's bright red. It's fast. It's got all the cowlings around it. It's a rice rocket. It's one of those lay down, you know, like, just take off. It was so cool. And I was a lot younger than I am now. And I had my eye on this thing. It took me six years before I ever owned that motorcycle. To save, to get out of debt, 
And honestly, there was other things that were way more important. Six years. You're gonna, I got to practice that in my life. I have to do it often. So you're going to have to practice that as well. And we're going to have to tell each other, not each other, but have to tell yourself no on some stuff. That's part of tightening the belt. Why? Why do you tighten the belt? Let's just get this clear right now. Why do you do that? You do it so that you can be a part of giving as God speaks to your heart. And you're going to find so much joy in that. One last thing that helps me manage money um, in a concept that is, you know, a way of honoring God, and that's this, give it all. It's just a lifestyle for me. It's just to give it all. Like, whether I'm out on the ice and I'm playing hockey, you know, I'm, I'm just like, give it all. Like, I, I jump over the board and I'm just go, 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 go until I can't go. And then I'm back, I'm back on the bench and someone else gets out there. Or it's in my finances, or it's in ministry, or it's in climbing a mountain, or it's in anything else. It's just give it all. And financially, I know that there's people in the room that when we talk about giving to God, you're, you're looking at giving through more of a token lens, right? The, like an offering plate passes and you're like, what do I have? I got five bucks. You throw it in. That's kind of token giving. But that is giving still nonetheless. And then there's an offering where you, I, I make a designated amount and I'm going to give it. And then there's tithe. These sequentially kind of build. Tithe, which is 10%, which we talked about. And then lastly, it's sacrificial giving. Why do you want God to be the owner of your finances? Because it helps you grow spiritually. You go from token giving to offering to tithe to sacrificial giving. You see a progression where money moves from its mine to its God's. And when you move from loving your church in a token way to loving your church in a sacrificial way, the ownership goes through the roof. And the desire to see God do something fantastic through your life and through your local church, it just excels. And there's great results that come from that. In fact, the early Christians in the early church, through their giving, they saw amazing results happen. And the church took off and it saw great things uh, take place. Take a look at the scripture in that passage that we were reading in verse 33. It says, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Two things. One, because the people held their finances loosely and they tightened their belt down and they put themselves in a position to give as God would call them to give. It says here that the apostles, they preached with great power. That just literally means this. The church was highly influential. In fact, we know something about the early church. It was growing every single day. They added to their numbers daily. That's part of the power of what happens when the early church and and New Life Church is lifting high the banner of Jesus Christ. The needs in the community were being met. The power of God was being preached. The town was being impacted. And missionaries were being sent around the known world. And New Life, we have these same similar dreams and visions. We're thankful to be a part of missions that sends missionaries around the world. We have missionaries we support in countries that you and me can't even go to as an American. But they're there, and we support them to be there. But we also have things we're doing here. We're one church in multiple locations, and we're looking to plant more churches in the future. We want to see God expand his kingdom through our church. So we live with an attitude of it. God, it's all yours. We give it all to you. You use it how you want to. Cut things back here. Invest more here. God, it's yours. And so we have a board that diligently seeks the heart of God monthly for where we're at financially and the next steps that we need to take. And I praise God for those men. God's using them in powerful ways. 
And you need to know that. When it comes to finances, there is a high level of integrity that happens around this place. Nobody has a free check to spend anything wherever they want, whenever they want to. There's checks, there's balances, there's confidentiality, there's security, and there's a team of people just so that we honor God because we care about the spiritual integrity of our church. So how can you practice this loosening of your grip and tightening of your belt and this giving it all attitude? Well, for the last number of weeks, we've been telling you that two campaigns we're going to start this Sunday. The first campaign is what we call our tithe challenge. Tithe challenge is basically this in a nutshell. It starts this Sunday and for the next 90 days, if you've, if you've never tithed or you haven't tithed for a number of years and you want to start honoring God in that way of giving God that first 10%, then we want, we want to help you do that. And so you'd fill out the card, you'd turn the card in today in the offering basket. Um, but here's how it works. We believe in God's principle of tithing so much that anywhere in the 90 days, if you, you don't feel like it's working, then you can just simply contact our accountant and she'll write you a check back for every single dollar you gave. No questions will even be asked. That's all you have to say. You know what? Um, I'm going to need that money back. And she'll just write you a check and send it to you. It won't go any, anybody else's desk. It will just be between the two of you, and it will just happen. That's because we believe in the principle that if we honor God, that God's going to do amazing things in your life. And that's what I've experienced in my life ever since day one of tithing to God. So take us up on the tithe challenge. Secondly, though, which would come down here farther in expenses in giving, is what we call the pave the way challenge. Now, Pave the Way, is, it's built already. It just got completed. It's the west side of our building with additional parking spaces and entrances so that we can have the right amount of parking for our seating ratio because we've got two auditoriums that are meeting simultaneously right now on this property. And once we did that, then we, we maximized uh, our parking. And so we've added more. Plus, I just think that we've maximized the west side of our building where if any of you guys saw it, what it was before versus what it is now, it's completely useful and it's beautiful and God's doing great things. We want to pay that off. So down here in, in Kim and I's giving, there's $200 a month that we give to the Pave the Way. And we're just asking you to join with us so that we can pay that debt off quickly so that we can use God's money to advance the kingdom, planting more churches and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to ask our ushers to come right now. And um, while they're coming, let me just highlight a couple of things. Giving at New Life, the culture of giving at New Life is a culture of worship. Like we don't give at New Life out of obligation. We don't give at, at New Life because of guilt. We give at New Life. We give at New Life because it is a, it's our heart to give. It's a heart of worship to give. And that's why we give. So ushers, if you'll just hold on for a moment. We're going to pray here in just a second. And then we're going we're gonna to get moving on this. But it is a heart of worship. So when we give, it's like in a moment we're going to sing to the Lord. We're going to both sing to the Lord and we're going to give. Just because I wanted to connect these things together to help you really see, giving is worship. So church, I love you. Thank you for listening to you know, what God's word has to say about giving today. And it's in your hands, like, right? What, whatever you sense between you and God is what you do. And um, I, I completely live my life by that, and I honor it. And let's just spend these next few minutes in worshiping God together. Let's pray. Father, 
we take this moment and just stop what we're doing. We focus our complete attention on you. Lord, we recognize that every good and perfect thing comes from you. That you, God, are in complete control. You've been in control from the beginning to the end. Even like these last 30 days, Lord, when I had appliance after appliance after appliance seem to break and go down. But God, you're still faithful. And I thank you for your plan of finances, Lord, that I don't have to be stressed out. I can just trust you through that, those processes. And Lord, difficult times like that are going to come. And then there's the mountain experiences when everything just seems like it's going great. May we, God, be a people that are faithful to worship you on the mountaintop moments and down in the valleys. And today, today, Lord, as, as we come to worship you, may you show yourself faithful to us in so many ways. We worship you by giving it all to you. We worship you by loosening our grip on our own life and just allowing you to have our heart today. Because, if, Lord, if you can get our heart, you got everything else. So, Lord, move in a powerful way at New Life Church during this time of worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.